Well, hello, everybody. This is Burke Reviews Movie Club, episode number 14. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the film The Goonies from 1985. And uh, I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And uh, this is my first time seeing The Goonies, um, so that's the reason we picked it. I've never seen it, um, even though I was born three years before the movie came out. For some reason, it was just not one that I ever saw. And um, it is now off my list. I can When people reference The Goonies, I can now say, yes, I have seen this movie. Um, but how did I like it? We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Corey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I am uh, excited and overwhelmed. The next couple of weeks look super busy. Um, like there's been nothing spectacular uh, going on other than some movie releases. But this, you know, I have the Star Wars celebration coming up next week. I have a critic screening on Tuesday for the film festival, and I have a critic screening from A24 on Thursday night uh, for Free Fire. And then the following week is the film festival. So I'm just like, wow, I have so much all of a sudden. Um, and I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm excited because it's all stuff I really want to do. Um, I'm particularly excited about the the last uh, celebrity that was added to the Florida <clears throat> the Florida Film Festival, which is Leah Thompson, who is going to be doing a Q and A and showing Back to the Future. So I'm stoked. Uh, as Back to the Future is in my top ten of all time. Um, I love those movies. I'm not saying it's the best movie, but I love it. I don't care if it's the best movie. Um, so I'm excited about that. I mean, it, it would have been amazing if it was like Christopher Lloyd or Marty McFly, sorry, Michael J. Fox, but in my eyes, Marty McFly. Um, but you know, Leah Thompson, that's, you're, that's great. I mean, um, I'm going to get some purple Calvin Klein underwear and see if I can get an autograph, but you know, <laughs> please do that. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. I'll either get an autograph or end up in jail for some weird harassment. <laughs> um, no. not intent. That's not my intention. I'm super jelly. Mommy. Yeah. I'm super jelly about that ceasefire screening uh, you're going free to. Fire. Free fire. Free fire, ceasefire, whatever. Yep. They're not ceasing. It's I'm, a shootout. I'm trying to get A24 to, to add you for the Idaho Boise uh, screenings, but I don't know. You know, I don't know. You might have to email the same person and see if you can get uh, added to the list up there because um, it is a different person that runs it. So, um, yeah, but Burke Reviews, we got a lot of stuff going on with the website um, right now. And um, Mike just dropped his uh, second um, misbegotten masterpiece uh editorial that he's doing once a month um i'm adding a few new writers who are going to be doing similar type things they're going to do uh different ideas i think i have one who's going to be um tackling different lists you know like so or challenges different movie challenges and writing his uh kind of his charting his course and then our friend brendan is looking to uh to find some kind of editorial to jump in on the site as well so we're going to have a lot of content coming out uh, and i'll continue doing reviews of the new movies and dvds and so will they when they get around to it but um if you are a listener and you are like you know what i want to try my hand at writing you can always send me an email at john burke at burkereviews.com and i might uh you send me a review if, if you've got what it takes we'd love to have you on board to help build the the brand that's something we want to do we want to grow um, I'll be passing out business cards and stickers um, like crazy at the Star Wars Celebration. As I noted, um, I'm excited for a lot of things at the Star Wars Celebration, but there are several podcast re uh, live uh, recordings going on that weekend, all Star Wars themed. But I figure what better audience to uh, you know to go after than the people who are at a podcast recording. So um, those people will be in inundated with stickers and, and business cards for Burke Reviews. Um, so if you are listening to this as a back episode, welcome. Um, and if you've been a listener, thank you. We appreciate every everyone out there who's giving us their, their time and listening to us blab about movies. We love you. Woo! <laughs> Which, um, we're going to get into trailer talk for this week uh, for movies coming out on April 14th. Um, we, we always just focus on the wide releases, and this week there's only one. Um, Corey, are you excited about the movie coming out? Let's not say the title just yet. Are you excited? <laughs> Zero percent. All right. So here's the deal, everybody. Next week is the uh, next installment of the Fast and the Furious franchise called The Fate of the Furious. Um, and I will admit, when the first one came out, I saw it, not opening weekend, but I saw it when it got to our dollar theater, uh, which used to be Mugs and Movies. And I enjoyed it, the first one. I thought it was fun. The, the racing was really cool. The stunt driving was awesome. Some of the cars were really cool. And I was, 
I don't know exactly how old I was when it came out. I don't remember what year it was, but I was I was in high school still. Thought it was great. You know, fun, dumb action, whatever. I saw the second one way after it came out, like definitely on DVD, and I didn't care for it. I didn't think Ty, you know, Tyrese uh, is not, in my opinion, a very good actor. Um, and so it, it didn't work for me. Uh, I did see the third one on regular TV at some point, and was it was like, oh, wow, this movie's really jumped the shark. And so when the fourth one came out, I had I was done, and I had no idea that it would continue to do what it's done. Like, it, number seven is in the top five money-making movies of all time, domestic. Like, it is, it is a powerhouse of a dumb action movie, which I'm not insulting. There is room for all types of film. There are. with Whether I like them or not is not the point. There's room for all art, you know? That's the beauty of film. That's the beauty of music. That's the beauty of paintings and f- photography. Everything is not going to speak to everybody, and it doesn't have to. That said, neither Corey and I are excited about the fate, the fate of the Furious. <laughs> but it is the only movie coming out next week, which is smart, because it will be the movie that everybody goes to see next weekend. Um, I will be, uh, you know, occupied with a bunch of other stuff. I'm actually really glad it's only one movie coming out next weekend because I don't think I would have got to see anything um, next weekend. But um, I've seen this trailer dozens of times because they have been hyping this movie up for about six months. Um, I've seen it in front of almost every movie I've seen. And all I have to say, when they first did it and they do the Jaws reference, did you did you see the trailer with the Jaws reference? We're going to need a bigger tank, I believe was the line that The Rock says. Oh my gosh. And the the newer trailer, there is a torpedo speeding on the ice. And The Rock hangs onto the steering wheel, is essentially ice skating, hanging out of the moving car while Tyrese is helping uh, steer. And is able to use his just insane strength to push the torpedo in the direction of, I'm assuming, the bad guy's vehicle's. And it blow up. So when I watched Fast and the Furious, it was a movie about street racers and theft. And I have no clue what's going on anymore, but they have some crazy looking stuff happening in these movies. I guess they're... Uh-oh. Hold on, Corey. I think we're having some technical difficulties. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, I think you're done. I'm going to stop the recording. It kind of reminds me of a Michael Bay film, just like the big, I don't know, um, not that I'm well versed in Michael Bay films because they generally don't speak to me, but that's just what it kind of reminds me of. And I, I am not opposed to dumb action movies. Um, I, this one does really try to preach the, the, even though I haven't seen the movies, mind you, I've not seen, I've seen maybe 30 minutes of, of the uh, Fast Five and that's it. Um, I know though from the commercials and from people talking about them, that the film really pushes family, but they're pushing it way too hard. Like, in the trailer, he says there's, like, five uses of the word family in the two-minute trailer where, like, you're going to really turn your back on your family? And it's like, oh, my goodness, guys. I get it. You guys have been through a lot, and thus you consider each other family. I can even appreciate that, and I can see why people attach themselves to it. But, geez, can we not remind the audience every five minutes that, that we're family? We get it. It's... This movie's about betrayal. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Mich- Michelle Rodriguez, I swear, is one of the worst actresses in the history of the world. I, I used to uh, not have that feeling. Um, I liked her in the Fast and the Furious, the first one. Um, mind you, I'm not saying like I was like, oh, she's the best. I'm just saying I didn't mind her. Um, and that has been stated by a few people, and I've I've started to notice yeah there is a pattern with her um she's always going to be kind of angry um you know very i mean character actors are not there's nothing wrong with playing a similar character in all the movies uh if especially if you're good at it and i think that's the point is i don't know how good at it she is um <laughs> Word. uh but you know there is i see the appeal um of movies like this i mean i'm that way with comic book movies i think i i can no, I was before Zack Snyder got his hands on my beloved DC universe. But um, I could go to almost any comic book movie and find joy, even if I knew it wasn't good. Like the first time I saw Daredevil, I didn't hate it. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't hate. I can't rewatch it. Like trying to watch it now, I get. I can't. It's not possible, particularly because I've developed a, a strong dislike for Jennifer Garner. But um, 
I can't, I can't rewatch that. And it's it's hard to rewatch Blade, even though I used to watch Blade like all the time. I loved Blade because the martial arts was really great, and there's all the crazy action. Um, watching it now, it does it feels dated. And even I have on my left arm, I have a Punisher tattoo because of the Thomas Jane Punisher. Um, not because I thought it was the best movie or anything, but I just really. It, it came at a good time in my life. I was going through a, a friend transition where, like, the people that I had really thought were my friends were no longer feeling like they were my friends. And then I watched this, and it's like everything he knew was taken from him, and he has to start over. And that felt like it connected with me. So, uh, you know, I found that. So I get, like, those are not great movies. None of those movies I've just listed are great. Um, but I still found joy in them. So I can see why people like Michael Bay films or why people like Fast and the Furious. And I, uh, there's definitely some that I've enjoyed more than others. Um, you know, dumb action movies. John Wick in its essence is a dumb action movie, but it's got, it's got a heart. There's a character that I'm interested in and the world is amazing. Um, and I think that's, that world interests me. The world of Fast and Furious does not appeal to me. The idea of like these car thieves turned federal agents, I think, um, with it's it's too big of an ensemble cast, like because that's even like when the Fast and Furious, it was you had Dom Vin Diesel, and then you had um, Brian, who is oh man, I feel bad because his name's not Paul. Pa- Paul Walker. Thank you. Um, and th- while the other characters were there, it was really those two. Those were your two focal points. And then the second one, it was Paul Walker and Tyrese uh, were the two focal points, and. In the third one, you had some country hillbilly boy who was in Japan, and he learned how to drift. I don't really understand all of how that came to be. Um, and there was a Dom cameo. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know, guys. It, obviously, people like it. If you do, I'm not judging you. Again, I listed some movies. And, of course, Mike would point out that I Hudson Hawk was on my favorite heist movie list. And that's a, a movie that most people hate. I love it still. I don't watch it anymore. I don't remember the last time I saw Hudson Hawk, but I still I still hold true that it's funny. And that's why I love it. I find it amusing. I feel like the difference is that we know if we enjoy a movie that it's not really a good film and mm. we can kind of own up to that. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like some people that love these movies and not even just not even just the Fast and the Furious franchise, but other films, it isn't just in I love it. They some people just hold fast that they're like the best movies and like I can't watch Transformers. It's I mean, but it definitely depends on I guess what you go into looking for the movie to do. Like if you need a movie to give you a good story, which is my kind of my criteria. I'm very story oriented. I I don't I'm not saying a movie has to have a good story. I know that if I'm going to have a a high probability of liking a film, it has to have a story that pulls me in and I'm I'm interested in. Um, I don't often like films that have weak stories or um, too subtle of a story. And it's not to say I think they're bad. They're just not something that I'm going to spend a lot of time with. Not o- Now, that's not always true. There's definitely been films out there that do work for me without a story. But more often, I am, I am pulled towards story. And some people are pulled towards spectacle. They want the big, crazy explosions and things. And that's fine. I do think I, I definitely agree with you. There is um, somebody saying the best movie ever made is Fast and Furious. I don't think you quite grasp all that movies can offer. I guess is the way I want to word it. Like, there's so much more a movie can do because you can have the spectacle and still have substance, and that's what's missing to me in the Fast and the Furious films. But we know that many of you are going to want to see it, so. Corey and I will probably not, I might, um, just to get a review out on it, and my review will probably not be super positive. If I had to guess, it's going to be not a total waste of time. That if you just want explosions, movie works. If you are looking for, you know, really great acting and great stories, and I gotta say, Dwayne Johnson, I don't blame him for doing these movies, because he's making, I can't imagine how much money from them. But he is, I think, the most talented person on the cast, um by far because he has shown while he hasn't done i don't think he's done a dramatic film um really he he does do the show ballers on it on hbo that i've heard he's really great in i've not watched it but i know it is a comedy drama um but like he's really funny and even some of the bad movies like uh the tooth fairy well i can't I, I don't think i could sit through it now when my daughter was younger it came out and we watched it and it's not all good but there's good parts and he's good and he's great in um 
Central Intelligence from last year. I thought he did a really solid job with Kevin Hart. Um, so he's got talent, and he's definitely built to do an action movie. The guy's, you know, huge. But I think we've, we've probably spent way too much time on Fast and Furious, but there's no other movies coming out, so that's why. That's it for Trailer Talk for this week, people. So if you go see it um, and you want to tell us how wrong we are that it's the best movie ever, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we'll give our... Uh, well, what the heck? I'm at Burke Reviews, and Corey is at Corey R Star, two R's at the end. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Just, you know, if you if you feel like you got to berate us for hating on Fast and the Furious. Um, and Vin Diesel, if you want to come on the podcast and uh, say you are Groot, which is my favorite role that you've done so far... Um, we will have you on. So, you know, reach out to us, Vin Diesel. <laughs> that said, let's, let's get into the Goonies. Um, all right. So, Corey, what's your take on the the Goonies? This is a film you've seen before. So uh, is it a, a favorite of yours or what? I wouldn't really say it's a favorite. And I honestly can't remember the first time that I saw it. But I think that I don't talk about how old I am. But the movies that, I, that came out when we were kids... I feel like have so much more, I don't know, imagination to them maybe than what I'm kind of seeing from movies for kids now, I guess. I don't know how to word that. I feel maybe more, I don't even want to say more adventure because like I loved Dark Crystal. I loved um, The Never Ending Story, all of these movies and where boys are the central characters. But anyways, um, I just feel like they were so full of adventure and just kind of going out there, and you might die, but it's okay. I don't. I'm trying to think. What are you th- um, thinking? I, I'm well. I'm trying to think of like modern movies that feel like this for kids. Um, the one thing that I would say they have in common is they definitely uh, they they go for the stupid comedy, right? Like you're gonna have the uh, the fart noises and the insult comedy, um, real simplistic and physical comedy, right? Someone's gonna fall through something. Um, those are the those are similar. But story structure, it does feel like um, 80s kids' films were more um, more aligned with adult story structure as far as, like, really, like, the Goonies has some horrifying ideas in it. Like, they, like there's a kid trapped in a freezer. Time out. Yes. We should totally Boom. do a spoiler warning <laughs> before yes. I drop that. Okay. <laughs> Guys, we are going to talk about this movie in some great detail, I'm sure. So if you've never seen The Goonies, which came out in 1985, I think that you should pause this and go remedy that. But if you don't mind spoilers, you can listen ahead. And to be fair, to cast no judgment, I just saw this movie for the first time. So we get and it. Mike hadn't um, seen it either. And Mike still has I'm not surprised. seen it, to my knowledge. Um, okay, so there's a lot about this movie I'm, I do want to mention. Um, but one of the things that I was about to, to spoil, which I'm going to spoil now... Is that in a movie made for children, there is a kid trapped in a freezer with a dead body that has a bullet hole in its head. That's dark. Like, you don't... And that's that, to me, is what's changed the most, is when you watch, like, E.T., the, the kid calls his brother penis breath, you know? Um, implying that his that he's had a penis in his mouth, which is not appropriate now at all. Like, if you... If you're a writer and you imply that one child is going to say to another child, not a high school student, we're talking young kids, that they've had a penis in their mouth, you are probably going to get arrested and you're not going to get a movie made. I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I've not seen every movie. I just know that we are way more sensitive now about how kids speak in films. Like when uh, Kick-Ass came out and Hit Girl, who was playing a middle school age girl, was cursing and, and killing people, there was outrage. Not a huge outrage, because it wasn't a big movie, but there was outrage um, from some parent groups that, like, how, how dare you portray a, a young girl acting this way? And, of course, I mean, more so, because it's not an animated movie, it was a young girl acting that way. Like, Chloe Grace Mar- uh, Moretz was saying those things, and I get it. But when you know, watch these 80s movies, my jaw drops at some of the jokes that went in. Even the pirate's name is a euphemism. You know what is horrible, what is absolutely horrible, is I feel like I'm so desensitized. Like, that. this stuff doesn't stick out to me because, as we've discussed before, 
I was allowed to pretty much watch whatever my oh, whole life. Me too. Me too. My uh, whole life. But you work with not even just kids because you work in a high school, mm-hmm. but you have a daughter too. And yeah. maybe that, I don't know if that might have... It definitely, uh, without question, because the first time I showed her E.T., I went in, having seen it dozens of times, not knowing the penis breath comment. And when it happened, I like looked at my wife, Kathy, and was just like, do you remember them saying that? Like, I've seen this movie so many times, I did not remember them saying it. And while I have not seen the Goonies, um, I wasn't expecting the dead bodies. Um, they are, uh, I don't have my notes with me, but there is a, a creepy, preppy guy named Troy who's adjusting the mirror in his car to look up the skirt of the girl and or down her shirt. She says down the shirt, but when we see the shot of the mirror, he's looking at her legs and her very too tiny of a skirt, which... Her underwear does show at least three times in the movie, too, by the way, which was like, I'm like, could they not have found a longer skirt for this girl to like, there's a water slide sequence, which is really awesome. It's probably my favorite uh, visual sequence in the movie, but she's in a skirt and I'm like, that's not cool, movie people. Like, I, I believe, I mean, in the movie, she's underage, so that is kind of, you know, a cause for alarm. But then I think it's the 80s, and Mm -hmm. what was it? Like, acid wash jean jackets, big, frizzy, crimpy, you know, Aquanet hair and miniskirts, which I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying. No, no, and I agree. I completely agree. And again, I'm watching this movie with my sensibilities now as a a father, um, as, you know, the person that I've become versus as a kid, I would have been probably one, maybe too excited about the length of her skirt, two... I you know because I was a kid. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, two, um, I don't know if I feel like I would have been uh, scared at times in this movie, um, which might be why I never saw it. I was not good with horror films for like the very first horror movie I ever saw in the theater was Wes Craven's The New Nightmare, and I walked out of the theater five or six times. Anytime I thought I was going to get scared, I would run out of the theater, and then I'd walk back in. I'd like psych myself up like, no, you can do it, you can do it. And it took probably 30 to 40 minutes of the film before I was finally able to just stay put and not be afraid. But I was so mentally, like, psyched out about a horror film. Um, So I think that might be why this film was kept away from me as a kid, that my mom thought maybe I would have nightmares or something. Or maybe not. But but we've we've already talked a bit about our our takes on some of the things. But I do want to go through some of the basics. Uh, I, I didn't know a lot about this film. Like, one... I didn't know it was directed by Richard Donner, who is most famous for the Superman movies from the 80s, uh, particularly Superman 1 and 2. But I didn't make a big connection that I was really surprised by, is he directed all four of the Lethal Weapon movies, which I love Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. Like, those are two of my favorite buddy cop movies ever, and the first one is written by Shane Black, um, who I love his writing style. And I had no idea Richard Donner directed this. I am going to probably get in trouble here. Um, I recognize the name, mm-hmm. but um, I'm looking through, and I haven't seen Lethal Weapon movies since I was a kid. My dad oh, loved them. I love them. Um, I haven't seen them in a long time. Um, it's been a while. But probably the thing that I've most recently um, revisited is um, every once in a while I have to rewatch the whole series of Tales from the Crypt. Ah, yeah, and he directed some of those. Yeah, he did a few of those, um, especially the ventriloquist dummy, which is really creepy. But, um, oh, he did Scrooge? Yeah, I didn't know that either, that he did Scrooge. Like, his work is very eclectic, meaning he's not much of an auteur, but definitely talented. With um, Robin Williams? Is that the Robin Williams movie, The Toy, or is that the Richard Pryor? Richard Pryor, I Uh, think. um, Because I I don't, I think The Toy is... Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason. Toy, Robin Williams has a movie with Toy in it. I can't think if it's just Toy or if it's Toy something. But um, not okay. So not only does it have a pretty big name director who's had a lot of big hits, um, but the writers that are credited with this film, I did not know. I knew Chris Columbus actually. Um, Chris Columbus is a, a person who I've always heard of, but never connected all the films that I've seen that he's been involved with. But Steven Spielberg's credited with the story for this film too. So this is a like a trifecta of talent behind this film, right? And then we have some pretty big name stars that are in this movie. My favorite being Josh Berlin. Um, I am a big fan of his. He's done a lot of Coen Brother films. My favorite, No Country for Old Men. Um, and this last year's Big uh, Hail Caesar. I almost said Big Caesar. Hail Caesar. Um, I, and he's also in True Grit. Um, I, I'm just big, big fan of Josh Berlin. 
Um, I like Sean Astin, my favorite Sean Astin movie, Encino Man. Everyone thought I was going to say Rudy. It's Encino Man. I loved Encino Man when I was a kid. Um, you know, I, I was all about that movie. And so those two guys being in this film, um, I am not a fan of Corey Feldman, which I know Corey is. Um, I think he's a creeper now, but I have to put this out there. Um, I've been studying the record store day list for this year, and apparently he's releasing a, a, a maybe a whole album, or maybe it's a seven inch. And I'm just like, mm. you've been washed up for about 20 years. <laughs> Can we please let it go? But I'm pretty sure that I was named because of Corey Feldman and Corey Heim. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's why my mom named me Corey. I could be wrong. So I was big fans of theirs when I was a kid because they were all over the place. But I can understand. Well, I, I have a tendency to, uh, when I think of, like, movies like this, um, The Lost Boys. Uh, man, there's a couple other 80s movies where I everyone loves. Like, The, the Goonies is a cult favorite i would say for many maybe cult's not fair it's a favorite from the 80s lost boys is maybe more of a cult favorite but a favorite like my aunt um loved lost boys and i didn't really watch either of them when i was a kid goonies and lost boys there's a few other movies that are definitely on this list that i'm not thinking of but um i don't like lost boys i i find it really campy and i i can't get into it um not that there's not good moments it's just as a collective i don't find the film to be in my wheelhouse and maybe it'd feel different if I'd watched it when I was a kid and grew up with it, but watching it from this, my eyes, uh, cause I think I saw it two years ago at the earliest. Um, it just didn't work for me. And it was like, I was so shocked, which to be fair, I don't think I like vampire movies as a general thing. Cause I, I, I love Dracula, the original Dracula, not Bram Stoker's Dracula. Don't like that movie. Um, I don't like interview you, with a vampire. Don't like lost. You didn't Boys. like, you didn't like Francis Coppola's um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. No. Bram Stoker's, yeah, his, sorry, his yeah. director. Yeah, he directed, but it is, yeah. it's the only one that's titled after the book um, completely. I know, I love the original Dracula from the Universal Monster Pictures. Um, love that. Thought it was great. I love Blade. Not so much anymore, but at some point I love Blade. Uh, hate Twilight. Um, so apparently vampires, I love zombies. I'll take zombies over vampires any day. Um, I do love zombies, and I love zombie movies. Like particularly, I, I like the setup. They, I don't know, I, I the vampire romanticism. I think just doesn't click for me. But um, as far as what scares me, and it's that's hard to do. But the, what comes closest for that is probably zombie movies. Yeah. Um, now this movie, uh, I, one of the reasons I really wanted to watch the Goonies, because um, it, it is weird as an adult to like want to watch a kids movie, right? Like. Um, I wanted my daughter to watch this one with me, but she just didn't have the interest. But I, I know so many cultural references from this movie, and having never seen it, I was looking forward to seeing it. You know, because like when you when you know a movie's in the zeitgeist, uh, like this film has been, it is um kind of revelatory to watch it and be like, oh, that's what that's from. Oh, I've always heard that, but I didn't know that was from this. I didn't have that as much as I thought I would, and I, I kind of blame Family Guy because I think Family Guy has pulled like ma like several segments from the Goonies. Like I knew that, hey, you guys, like I knew that. Um, I've Stop. I've said that and had not seen the film, but like I've used that line. Um, and then I knew about the Truffle Shuffle because there was it was a meme for a long time where it was like him getting shot with a machine gun, even though he's not. Um, which I was disappointed at the little amount of times the Truffle Shuffle comes into play, though. I, I kind of had built up in my head it was going to be a recurring element of the film, and it's only the one time that he has to do the truffle shuffle. Um, and uh, I knew that um, Data was a popular character and that it's the same actor who plays Short Round in Indiana Jones, um, which is obviously there's a Spielberg connection most likely there. Um, but one of the things that I was immediately struck by, because I just watched Stranger Things not too long ago, um, you've seen Stranger Things, right? I was one of the ones who was harassing you to watch it. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. But Steph is clearly the inspiration for Barbara, or Barb, in uh, Stranger Things. Barb is the uh, the friend. She the they, redhead. Yes, I I was watching Goonies. Like, wow, they totally took this this character from Goonies and made her Barb. And I did a Google search because I didn't know Steph's name at the time. I just I typed in Barb from Stranger Things girl from the Goonies and immediately pulled up a picture where someone had done a side by side and like, yep, yeah, I'm not the first one to think of this. 
but it was that to me was more revel. In fact, Stranger Things definitely pulls a lot from the Goonies. There's um, obviously it pulls a lot from '80s culture in general, but particularly it reminded me of the Goonies as I was watching the Goonies. Like the structure of Stranger Things feels a lot like this. Kids go on an adventure, you know. I'm kind of surprised that you're and you enjoyed that show so much, given how heavily, you know, eighties and eighties everything yeah. it is. Because I love the eighties, um, and I know that you don't, don't really. I love nope. the pop culture from the eighties. I love the neon and all of the stupid plastic excess from that era. And I know you don't. And there's yeah. another movie that you're going to watch soon. Oh. And when I buy it and give you the digital copy but um <laughs> i when i was watching stranger things i was like oh my god why you know what i mean yeah so um it's just very interesting how many different things that show took from well like i it's funny because i i generally will say i don't like the 80s like i'm but i love back to the future which is not technically set in the 80s it starts in the 80s and then it jumps either in the past or in the future but you know i do i love that and there's heavily 80s references throughout that movie I haven't seen Gremlins in a long time, but I loved Gremlins. So I, I like to still say I do. I don't remember the last time I watched it. And in fact, my Blu-ray copy of Goonies it came with Gremlins 1 and 2 and Goonies on a Black Friday deal, uh, all written by Christopher Columbus. Um, and supposedly they're all getting rebooted too, by the way. I don't know if you've heard that, but there's all... I mean, the last report that I read was from 2015, so it's probably not happening fast enough, but they it's Can in they, the books. No, they cannot. Can I just nope. stop? Um, I've heard too that uh, Joe Dante wants to direct Gremlins three though, so okay, that could be kind of cool. But and and I can see if you want to reboot something because maybe the technology wasn't there when you originally made a film to give it the you know the yeah. aesthetic and everything. But Goonies, but... Goonies doesn't need it. Like Goonies actually, no. Let, you know we haven't talked much about the actual movie that we watched this week, so okay. I guess we should we should do that. Um, but. I feel like everything we've said is relevant because it's all related to like why I didn't want to watch it or why I haven't watched it, like why I haven't reached out and tried to watch this earlier. I mean, I'm pretty sure I bought this two years ago on Black Friday for like five bucks on Amazon, and I've just it, I literally opened it to watch this movie. Like it was still in the plastic wrap, like it has not been touched until now. And I um I didn't love it, I didn't hate it. There was a lot of stuff I enjoyed. There was a lot of stuff that was really cringy for me, and I was just like, oh, my God, can we – this is it, – one, it felt really long. Like, it it really drags. Rewatching it, I don't know how long it's been since I had watched it. Um, it did feel long, and I didn't remember that it's almost two hours yeah, long. which is long for it, a kid's movie anyways. Like, two is. hours for a kid's movie? Yeah, um, it did feel I, like it ran. I hated Chunk. For three quarters of the movie, which I kind of think we're supposed to hate Chunk, um, because he is he he's a liar is what, or at least he's a uh, he's the boy who cries wolf. Um, he's constantly telling stories. And in fact, did you catch the Gremlins reference? Um, there's a quick throwaway line about uh, creatures that that multiply when they get wet. Um, no. Uh, he when he calls the police, I think the cop says, "Is this like the time you told me that the." The creatures that got wet and multiplied. I'm like, oh, Gremlins reference. Go, Christopher Columbus. I heard about the Syrian terrorist and mm -hmm. um, what actor was at his house and all yeah. of that. But somehow I missed. Yeah, I was that. super stoked about the Gremlins reference. I was like, ah, oh, there's something I, I get. Um, but I'll tell you what. I think at the same time, while I hated Chunk for a lot of the movie because he was just obnoxious, um, mm -hmm. and he was uh, he won uh a, an award for best young actor though from something not from the Oscars but from something else. And um, at the end, though, I found his story with Sloth like my favorite part of the movie because I love Sloth. Like, I would never have guessed that I would love Sloth, but I love their little uh, Sloth loves Chunk and Chunk loves like that was adorable and endearing. And it's like here are these two misfits who found like, you know, a bond and he's going to they implied that they're going to take him in at the end of the movie, which he hadn't spoke to his parents about yet. But I, still. <laughs> yeah, I love that. He's just like, you're going to come live with me. And I'm like, did you talk to your mom and your dad, man? And even Sloth's story that like, you know, he's a part of this awful crime family um, whose mother is scary, like almost could have been Danny DeVito in drag. And um, mama from the train. Yeah. Is she in that? Is that because I have that's yeah, another 80s she's movie. the mom. I have not seen that. Um, I, I'm missing my '80s movie. Uh, is very minimal. Like I, Lethal Weapon. I've saw most of the action movies. It, like 
diehard Rocky Ram. Well, Rambo's seventies, but still not Rambo. Sorry, Rocky seventies. Rambo is I think late seventies, early eighties. But I've seen most of those. But a lot of like the comedies I've mi- I I haven't seen a lot of John Candy comedies um, from that time period. I didn't see Throw Mama from the Train. Um, I still haven't watched all the way through Planes, Trains, and Automobiles even, which is I, what I've seen. I seem to enjoy. But um, I did watch Fletch last year for the first time. But so I, you know, I have that's a, a big gap in my movie watching is that time period. I was '90s is really my like my era. That's when I really got interested in pop culture, like on an extensive level. Like Ghostbusters is my movie religious experience. That's when I became a movie person. Was when I was two years old and was taken to see Ghostbusters. Immediately fell in love with the idea of cinema, but I didn't embrace all pop culture till '90s. That's why grunge is one of my favorite genres of music. I love Wayne's World. I love Ace Ventura. I love, you know, this is when I was like obsessively started collecting movies and having my own, you know, my VHS tapes, not my grandma's or my mom's. These were mine. Like I started collecting and everything. So '90s is where I feel pretty strong. '80s definitely skipped a bunch of movies that are considered classics by many. Goonies being one, but Sloth really loved the story. I was I felt awful when when he uh, she's singing the Rock the Bye Baby when it's the baby oh. will fall and he's like oh you dropped me and it's like oh my god that's why he's messed up and oh, oh. man just oh and uh, but Joe Pantoriello Joe Panto the one of the brothers I can never say his name right he's in um, he's in a bunch of movies I love though he's in the Matrix he's Cipher in the Matrix. Um, he's in Bad Boys, he's the police chief, um, I think commissioner or whatever, he captain, I don't know what the official title is, but he's, um, I'm looking for him on the list because I know I mispronounced his name. Um, oh, there he is, Joe Pantoliano, who, and of course, uh, he's in Memento as, like, the, uh, the guide, um, he's an actor that I love whenever I see him, and I was excited to see uh, him in here, and was surprised that he's bald, still, like, in, in 85, he was already bald, um, and Robert Davey, who is the other brother, looks super familiar, but I can't, like, I don't, when I looked, skimmed through his list, there was nothing else that I saw that I could, like, I'm like, oh, well, I know him from that movie, but, um, he's got a face, uh, definitely a villain face that you, he probably just looked like other villains, but. And he was also, sorry, the first guy, Joe. Pantaleone or whatever. Yeah. I, um, remember he was in. Also in um, da, 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 Tales from the Crypt, but mm. also he was in an episode of The Hitchhiker, and I freaking love that show. This is me, my anthologies, guys. <laughs> well, but. it's it's definitely got a killer cast. Um, Sean Astin and Josh Berlin play brothers, um, and they all collectively call themselves the Goonies with the, the two brothers and the three friends, Chunk, Data, and Mouth. They all just go by nicknames. There's never any official names given to them except Mikey and Brand. Um they meet up with a couple of girls later, Andy and Steph, and they're looking for uh, the pirate treasure of, again, a euphemism, One-Eyed Willie. One-Eyed Willie for the kids' movie pirate name. Um, couldn't have been Blackbeard or, you know, something that isn't Willie. And especially, let's single it one out with a one-eye. <laughs> um, really want to make sure that everyone gets the sexual innuendo that they're putting out there for you. Um, and there is, there's a little, like we mentioned with Andy, the, the female character, there's a lot of sexuality there. Um, some sexual tension, a little love triangle between, uh, the brothers and Andy, because, um, Mikey kisses her kind of on accident. Like, he doesn't know why he's being summoned, and he ends up getting a kiss, and she's like, I didn't know Brand had braces. It's like, alright, how dumb are you? Like, the whole movie, she doesn't realize it was Mikey until, like, she kisses Brand, like, what happened to your braces? It's like, are Duh. you freaking stupid? But yes, yes is the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> Data's uh, Data's gadgets are fun, especially like as an adult and 20, well, I'm sorry, 32 years after the movie was released, I don't know that they were as cool as they would have been as a kid. If I was watching that movie like in 84, I would have taken all of my toys and tried to make those gadgets. Like, I know for a fact. Like, I would have had a slinky hanging out of my, my sh- shirt pocket or something. Like, I would have wanted to have been Data if I was a kid. As an adult, I don't think they held up quite the same, but I could see the allure of that. So, I tried to watch it with, with kid eyes. Like, you know, trying to think, if I was watching this when this came out, how great would I would this movie have been for me versus now? Because it's definitely not for me now. You know, it's, it's meant for the kids. Um... To a degree, 
again, some of the jokes <clears throat> in today's standard of films would would this movie would not be PG um, for modern audiences. But um, I, overall, I didn't hate the movie by any means. I, I and there were parts where I had a, a really good time. There were parts that really dragged, um, and it, it did. Um, it purposely felt like a video game. I mean, this this movie kind of almost predates video games, at least the way we think of video games now. Um, but it's very quest-oriented, like, okay, now we have to do this, and we have to do this. And it's obviously there's some Indiana Jones components to it, um, aside from data, but like just in, in terms of like the uh, archaeology and the booby traps and stuff like that. But I have to say that one of my favorite things re-watching this is... Mm, Mikey using the wrong words. Mm, yeah. And then he gets, usually by brand, um, getting corrected. And he's like, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> and then a little later on in the film, you get that the mom does the exact same thing. And brand is like correcting her too. That's exactly what I said. I just thought it was yeah, so I, you funny. Know I didn't connect that the mom did it. But now that you bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. I totally picked up on Mikey doing it. And I, you know, I felt bad for Mikey. That was his kind of, they all had their own little you know issues your mouth uh wouldn't sh- shut up um and he was kind of a jerk um for the most part uh data oh! what mouth the, s- the stuff he was saying to that poor lady who came to help them pack up their house oh. because she couldn't speak english and he was the only one who spoke spanish fluently what a little jerk face yes <laughs> but he's definitely trying to keep them from moving away kind of thing so it's like okay you're being a jerk but it's not necessarily for the wrong reasons, although we don't know for sure because he is kind of a jerk throughout the film. Um, even at the end when they try to make it look like him and Steph are going to get together, he's kind of like, you're not so bad to look at. Like, oh, you little jerk. Um, but, uh, you know, Data's, uh, obviously, he seems like he was the one who got bullied the most, and that's why he has all the gadgets to try to defend himself. And, and I, his dad. I was going to say, his dad obviously does the same, um, although his dad's apparently much worse at it. Um oh. Chunk is, he's the fat kid. That's what they made him. He's very much the fat kid. He eats excessively. Um, he's clumsy. He's, uh, I mean, I don't want to point out Chris Farley, but he's definitely like an early version of what Chris Farley would do because he's the klutz. He breaks everything. He wow. touches so much so that um, at one point, Mikey wants to break the map out of the, the glass. And rather than breaking it, he hands it to Chunk and then counts down from five as Chunk drops it. And also kind of at the beginning when they are in the attic with all the collectibles. And doesn't he ruin that painting? Did it already have a hole in it? I don't think so. Mouth is the one who sticks his tongue through it, though. So I don't know. Oh, shoot. I thought that was okay. Uh, but I think the hole was already there. Now, I don't know if Chunk ripped it. Um, it's definitely possible because he's, he's a bull in a china shop. Everywhere he goes, he's going to destroy things. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, but there was a lot of, like, the booby traps. It just felt like they really dragged things on. Um, it could have probably trimmed out some of the, the stuff. And then, oh, the worst part was the constructed suspense when um, the two bad guys were coming after them and they're trying to play the, the the piano thing. like Bones. Yeah, and, like, they're just taking, like, five days to climb. Like, I hate that type of, you know, where, like, they cut to the data and he's like, they're coming, guys. It's like, yes, yes, they are. But at the same time, You've got 20 minutes. What? Yeah, apparently we have 20 minutes to really drag this thing out. Like, let's speed it up, movie. Come on. There's no reason for this contrite, like, uh, suspense because it's not suspenseful. And again, I am very picky about suspenseful moments. I have been, I think, ruined by Green Room and some other films where I just, I'm so on the edge of my seat that I can't, when these other things happen, it's just like, oh boy. What are you trying to do other than waste my time? Because we can trim the scene. I get it. They're not going to get caught. They're going to get. They're going to escape by the you know skin of their teeth, so to speak. I don't need to have the five minute or ten minute sequence to get that. Like, you know, man, it just it's too much. And I don't know if that's a, a product of the '80s, if it's a product of kids' movies, but it's definitely something I don't care for. And that part bothered me. Um, and that happened a couple of times in the movie where it's just like, I get it. You're not going to get them right now. So let's just. Let's move on. But there is some fun stuff. Um, the the idea that you can go on a wild adventure um, with almost no real reason to believe it's possible and find the treasure and, and have that, that's super appealing. Even as an adult, to me, that's appealing. You know, the idea that you can have this wild fantasy of what could be 
and then attaining it. Like, that's great, you know? And that's, I mean, even La La Land kind of is about that, this wild fantasy of becoming a famous actress or a jazz musician in a, or starting a jazz club in a world that doesn't really love jazz anymore and being successful with it. That's the fantasy. And attaining it's hard. And um, here, like, finding a pirate treasure that will allow you to pay for your home so you don't have to move away from your friends, that's impossible. What are the odds of that? And yet, there it is. It, it plays out. And not only, they set it up, not only is it unlikely that there would be a treasure, but that other people had tried and failed. And then these kids. And these kids. Uh, who That's the difference, though. The other people who tried and failed did it alone. They didn't oh. have each other's... Um, to do it and that's a big part that's a big theme in the film is that they they do not function well by themselves like mikey and his brother mikey can't speak properly he screws up he gets flustered brand is there to back him up you know and brand is strong but he's lacking leadership you know they don't they don't fall for him they don't buy into what he's doing and they need each other and then you have mouth who you know, he's he's not an idiot, but he's definitely not good at being um, part of society. I think it's almost his thing. You know, he's he's he doesn't function in normal situations. And then da- Data is very smart, but he's he's a nerd, you know, and Chunk is broken in almost every regard. But he has Except, a heart. And it seems like his family loves him. It seems it's, like they're he close. has a heart. They, they all yeah. care. Like they are all loving and caring people. And that's why no matter what they've done to Chunk, he still comes and, and tries to be a part of them. And even while he's whining about, you know, protection and whatnot, it's ultimately heart. He doesn't want his friends to get hurt. He doesn't want to get hurt himself, but he doesn't want his friends to get hurt. And that's why when Sloth when Sloth reveals that he's not a monster, Chunk immediately takes to him, you know, and, and vice versa. They're neither of them are monsters. They both have heart and they are caring individuals and so when you look at the film that way, it's got a lot of positive messages buried underneath some '80s cliches and some you know children movie you know tripe you know but tropes. I said tripe of uh, uh, fish. Um, but it's it's got some really great stuff in it, and so um, overall, it's definitely a movie. I'm glad I've seen it now. I, I don't I don't plan on revisiting it unless I tried to sell it to my daughter after I saw it. That if you she she really likes Stranger Things, I'm like. This movie definitely influenced Stranger Things. There's no question to me that when they were looking at 80 source material, Goonies definitely had a major influence on the plot structure of Stranger Things, um, particularly the adventure aspects of it. Because I think, like you mentioned, there's not a lot of adventure stuff anymore. It doesn't feel like this. And um, Stranger Things does. Like In a lot of ways, there's similarities. Even the group element, again, because you have the group of four, and then you bring Ellen, you got your group of five. Um, you know, and then the older sister instead of the older brother. Like, there's a lot of the similar um, p- structure to the 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 team building that you see here. Because you have in this movie, you have three older s- people. You have Brand, Amy, and Steph. In Stranger Things, you have the older sister, her boyfriend, who Steve, who is a jerk, but then not a jerk, and then um, Will's brother. So again, three teenage level characters, and then um, here you have four kids. There you have four kids, but then you get L, and L is sloth, like L is the the oddball, the oddity, the monster. Now she doesn't completely look like a monster, although in the eighties, a girl with a shaved head definitely would have been looked at as an oddity. But she's a monster. She's not like the rest of them. She has power. She's dangerous. So much like sloth, and so you have the Goonies layout right there. Put them in an adventure, and you've got um a you know a recipe for stranger. Now there's other stuff there for sure but definitely the goonies i see heavily in stranger things i i agree <laughs> i kind of stated all that um well earlier i stated a lot of what i was thinking about that but um okay <laughs> what well i like well i don't i'm not very good with like technical aspects of the films or like um the way you just equated all the characters that way i hadn't thought about it like that with sloth and l and you know i so just worked that out as i was talking but yeah yes (laughs) on the fly guys um now i mentioned the uh the water slide sequence which i think is it's one it's one of the funnest sequences in the film it's shot really cool because it's just like pov and man crazy cool when i was watching it i was like i want this to be a real ride somewhere this needs to be like at a water park i don't care where i think it was steph who was like spinning out of control though like she was at one point like 
not only was she was rotating like on her belly, but she was also spiraling the other way, where she was just like fl- like flailing around. I think you were seeing through Mouse' perspective at that point, and she's just like spinning out of control. I'm like, man, it looks like she's about to fly off of that slide. Um, and that was pretty crazy to me. Of course, I don't like rides, so immediately I'm probably like, yeah, that looks like you would die. So <laughs> not going down that thing. But um, You're like, let's go again. Um, but. I was also thinking while I was watching this film, I like her as an actress. She's in one of my favorite movies, Parenthood. Mm. But Martha Plimpton is not, like, this exceptional actress, but she had quite a few films is back then. Is that Steph or Andy? Yep. Okay. She played Steph. Yeah. Um, she was, wasn't she in Beethoven 2? Beethoven the movies? Um, I think she was also, she's also in Parenthood. Um, like, and then I think she was in a movie with, oh my gosh, what's his name? He was also in Pet Cemetery. Let me just look it up. But I just was thinking she's, I like her as an actress, but she's not an exceptional actress. No, but I thought she was stronger than Andy. Andy was very generic. Um, I think she was just there to be pretty. Yeah. And she did, she directed and wrote one movie, um, and she hasn't acted in quite some time. So she's definitely not. Uh, professional and, not, and Chunk is not either. Although Chunk has updated his IMDb, uh, IMDb picture, probably just wanted people to be like I'm not Chunky anymore. But um, he hasn't acted in anything for a while, from what I remember seeing. Um, but obviously, you have Josh Berlin and Sean Astin, who is Sam Wygan- Sam Win- Wyganji from the Lord of the Rings movies. He's you know Frodo's best friend, and then uh, Rudy, which is one of the most iconic sports films of all time. You have my favorite Encino Man. Um, he is in Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler. He's Drew Barrymore's uh, brother in that movie. Um, very funny, actually, in that because he's a bodybuilder who had like a steroid problem, so his voice is a little squeakier, and uh, oh. he, he's pretty funny in that. Um, yeah, he shows up in some other stuff too. I mean, he's he's a talented actor, and he's done quite a set of movies. Um, I mean, then you have like Corey Feldman, who is you know the uh, equivalent of of like a Miley Cyrus now, you know the child star who gets messed up on drugs and then just kind of spirals out of of fame, but yet clings to it. Like you mentioned earlier, I He's heard trying so hard. I heard one of the songs that he has. Uh, I don't know if you've heard some of the songs, but he played on something and it's really bad. Like I can't do it. I think um, Hollywood Babylon played part of it uh, a while back because they he I think he did a talk show or something and like performed and it's just. <laughs> It's just awful. Um, but um, overall, uh, this is my first viewing of Goonies. And again, I wish I'd seen it as a kid because I do think I'd li- I'd have a little more nostalgia for it ha- had I. Um, and uh, there was a part of me who I was curious if I had seen it and just forgot. But I had not. Um, I, I definitely I've maybe seen a clip or two, but I've never sat from beginning to end and watched the Goonies until the other day. Um, but this is a rewatch for you. Uh, so yes. when was the last time you watched it before this viewing? Do you know? Like, has it been five years, 20 years? Like, I would, 20 years, you're aging me. Um, well, I mean, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, I honestly can't remember, but I would say probably about five or seven years. Okay. So it's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. is this one you revisit frequently on, like, I mean, five to seven is not too frequent, but I mean, when you watched it the last time, was it on your own or would someone else want to watch it? I probably, I just wanted to rewatch it. I think that Bill and I watched it, which he had seen it before also, but I can't remember what made us watch it. Maybe just like, oh shoot, let's watch a movie. Well, the interesting thing is I, when I, when we picked this, I thought um, I would be watching this with my wife because it's from the eighties and she's a little bit, not much, but a little bit older than I am. So I thought... Um, this would be a movie that she liked, and she also is a Corey Feldman fan and a big Lost Boys fan, so I totally thought, Goonies, she hates this movie. I would have never pegged that. And not never. Not only hates it, but, like, wouldn't even, like, like give me a, the chance to try to sell her to watch it, where I was just like, well, maybe you just need to rewatch it. She's just like, no, I've tried. It's stupid. And I'm like, well, okay. Um, <laughs> so... I don't know what what it is about this film like that really upset her enough that she is like totally anti um, Goonies. And again, I don't love it. I'm not. I don't plan on making this one. I revisit very often. Again, unless my daughter uh, finally decides that hey, you know what? Now that you mentioned that it's like that other thing, I'm all for it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what uh, you know motivation there is. Um, 
for her to dislike it. But yeah, uh, or for me to rewatch it, I should say. I'm sorry, I got distracted with what I was doing. Um, I don't know that I will rewatch it. Um, I do wish it played at the Enzian last summer. And I really wanted to go. It was like the they do a family movie. I think early in the the day on like one Sunday a month, and so I would have had to like get there like by noon, and it just didn't work out where we could do it. And I really wish I'd seen it in the theater um, first because I I I definitely I paid attention because I I write notes when we do this um, so that I have to pay attention, you know, like a, but I definitely was distracted a few times where I was just like kind of like okay, I'm done. And I may not have had that if I was at the theater. And so I wish um, that might be the only time I will rewatch this other than Taylor wanting to watch it would be it's in the theater. I will I will go watch it. And it's definitely a possibility because uh, TCM and, and Fathom, man, they, they put out some really cool re-showings. Um, they're doing The really Graduate. They're doing The Graduate what? in a couple of weeks. Um, I, and I, confession, I've never seen that movie. I have like... The soundtrack I found oh, at wow. a thrift store on vinyl. I have wanted. I it's Baby Dustin Hoffman. I feel like I need to see it, you know. And so I'm gonna have to check that out. I saw they were screening it, and yeah, um, I watched it for the first time last year, and um, I like it. I don't love it. I, I do like it. It's. I definitely can see why it's loved. I want to rewatch it, and again, seeing it in the theater would be really cool. It's just not gonna happen because that's the film festival weekend. Um, so I was bummed about that. Um, but there's a bunch of stuff coming out or they're playing this year. I'm pretty sure they're doing the Godfather this year, if I remember seeing correctly. Oh. Um, so I'd love to see that in the theater. I wish they were doing the, uh, the recut with one and two so that it's chronological. I think the Godfather's saga or something like that. I wish they were doing that, but it's just Godfather one. Um, and they had, there were some other movies that I'm super excited about the chance to see in the theater. I'm not remembering what they are, but. Um, let's give our ratings, uh, for the Goonies. Um, I'm going to go with decent watch for mine. Um, I don't think it's perfect, but I do, I can, I can definitely see, uh, a lot of positives and it's enjoyable. This is hard for me. I feel <laughs> like I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with not quite golden pony boy. Cause I feel like it does have quite the following. I feel, oh, yeah. oh sorry. No, I said, oh yeah. And I I do enjoy it. It did feel long this time, but I feel like it's a good film to have under your watch belt. Yeah, I don't regret watching it. Um, I could see it going uh, down for me to not a total waste of time because there is a lot that I could do without. But again, I think what the film is meant to do, I definitely think if you saw it as a kid, I can see why you love it. Um, I think that's where I, I wish I'd seen it as a kid or I wish I'd, my first time had been in the theater even if it was a year ago in the theater, I think it would have been a better experience um, because I, I think like some of some of the shots call for a larger screen and um, looking up at it with awe is part of the feeling. Like, you know, you're, when you're watching a theater you're at, at a big screen, of course, you're always looking up a little bit um, with the exception of the, the really good stadium seating, you know, seats. But and I, I feel like that adds to the sense of wonder of some of the, the, the moments. But overall, um, it's not it's not a film that I loved. I, I don't hate it at all, but I don't love it. Um, I did hate Chunk, but he grew on me, especially his relationship with Sloth. So, um, I have to hop in here because I had to look this up. Um, the TCM Fathom events, they are screening quite a few good ones. Um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which I've never seen. I haven't seen it for a while. I think since high school, maybe. They are doing E.T. Yes. They're doing The Princess Bride. I'm taking Taylor to see that. I love The Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. Bride. Now, that's an I... interesting story, though. I don't think I saw that. I saw it once, for sure, when I was a kid, but I did <clears throat> not remember it. I watched it for mm-hmm. the first time, I think, four years ago. And I've watched it, like, five or six times since I watched it that time. I love that movie. And that's an 80s movie that, for some reason, works for me mainly because of the comedy there's so much great comedy in that freaking movie but um i don't think taylor's watched it and so that's i want to take her to see it in the theater so i saw it when they screened it either last year or the year before but i love that movie and i'll go see it again but i freaking hate the book i've never read the book and i (sighs) I probably won't um but fred savage fred savage everybody and carrie ells um or elwes i never know how to say his name robin wright guys yeah yes robin wright um who I did not realize how many things I'd seen her in until I was watching House of Cards. Like, like she's so great in House of Cards. And then, like, oh, my God, that's the woman from Princess Bride? And then, um, yeah, just 
really big fan of that film. Um, was there any more that you were about to say? Because I got. Um, I haven't seen it, but um, Casablanca. I watched last yeah. year. I love I guess that. Who's coming to dinner? The original Is with it... Sidney Poitier. Yes. Which I've never Casablanca's... seen. Casablanca's oh 75th anniversary. Guess who's coming to dinner? Is the 50th. I'd like to see that one. I saw the remake uh, called Guess Who with Ashton Kutcher and Bernie Mac. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that one. Not great. Not great. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Not great. Um, I do like Bernie Mac. So there's and he's you know passed away. So it's it was you know endearing I guess to see that. But uh, that one I don't know if the original is more serious because it feels like it would be because of the time period that it's in. Um, and Sidney so. Portier is definitely a much more dramatic actor. So I kind of want to watch it to see the tonal difference that I expect to see. That would be an interesting thing to look at, but like I, I wouldn't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, and it, it's not worth watching the Ashton Kutcher one to have something to compare it to, but at least not that I remember. But um, that's our review of The Goonies. Um, we will be watching next week Under the Skin, it looks like. Is that... Um, is that the case, Corey? I don't know if I'll have it in time, but okay. I can try. Well, then we well that's the problem. Let's pick something that we can watch. Um, okay. I think uh, a good one for us to choose, if you're up for it, is Deer Hunter. Um, have you ever seen Deer Hunter? I have not. Okay, then I haven't either. And, How long is this film? Oh, let me look. Hold on. Corey's Corey like, is in college, and time is of the essence. Uh, let it's me. Very precious, very precious commodity. Um. I thought that I had heard that that one is very long. Oh, but wow. Be... You are completely right. And this week is not a good week for Deer Hunter, everybody. I apologize. We will be watching Deer Hunter in the future. Is it like three, three hours? Four hours? Yeah. I did not realize it was a three-hour film. Um, I wish should have watched that over spring break when I was watching all those other long movies. Um, I'm trying to look at movies that we have easy access to that we can both watch, um, especially for this week because I will be busy. Uh, we're going to have to even record our episode of the podcast a little earlier, which means I have to watch the movie faster. Um, but let me see here. Um, we have tons of movies that we've never seen. What, what is this folks? What are we going to do? It is a challenge. Um, is there anything already on the list that you want to add, Corey, like that you see right away that's popping out at you? Mm-mm. Hmm. You're such bad hosts. We're, we're unplanned this evening. Everything, we got delayed recording oh. tonight. So, ah, Corey's got it. Let me idea. look at this other list. Oh, hold on. Maybe. We not. have like 27 <laughs> movie lists, guys. Yeah, we do. We have a bunch of lists. Um, we're, we're, we're constantly trying to build content for everybody. Um, I may delete even some of this. Who knows? Maybe I won't. We'll just leave all this in. Uh, we're still building. We're, we're learning. Um, there's, I mean, there's movies coming out, but I don't know that I, nothing. Well, there's only one movie coming out. What am I saying? Um, I'm hoping to see Train Spotting 2 this week. Ooh, I need to rewatch that one. So, but and see that's that's a struggle too then. Um because <coughs> you got to be able to get to a theater and you may not be able to get to a theater. Um I mean there's a billion things on Netflix. Um we could pick an, an interesting twist. We could pick a Netflix original. Um Ooh. something we've not uh, uh, attempted, I don't believe. Um, there's a few oh. that I've wanted to watch. Oh, that's true because it wasn't a Netflix original. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yes, it was a uh, Sundance. Uh, well, not a Sundance original, but Sundance winner who Netflix uh, bought for distribution, which is still one of the most surprising things that have happened so far, um, as far as that goes. But what is what is this? All right, that's what I'm trying to click. So, oh boy, that's not going to work. Let's look at Netflix. Um, I know that uh, one why we're picking our movie right now and why we're doing it all in the air is we like to let our listeners know what we're going to watch. And um, the goal is that you will watch it too before we record the podcast and you will send us either on Twitter um, or on uh, email, the John Burke at BurkeReviews.com, um, your review of the film so that we can read it on the podcast and tell people what other people's thoughts were aside from our own. Um, as just a way of including our listeners into the podcast. Now, this has not been something that has happened, really, but it's something that we would like to become a regular thing. And I know part of the problem is accessibility. If you don't have easy access to watch the movie, um, you may not get a chance to watch it. So if we do a Netflix one, in theory, it might be uh, more likely that our listeners will watch it because it's right there. It's readily available to them. It's something they already have access to. Why not? So... Were you able to, uh, I'm still trying to pull Netflix up on my phone. Something was glitching. I feel like my whole life is glitching. I'm just kidding and being. (laughs) 
Melodramatic Corey. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that's my personality type. Um, Cause they even let us browse Netflix originals now. So is there? Yeah, I'm looking at. That. There's several movies um, that I know. There's a Paul Rudd film that I've been I've told I've been told is really good um, that I would like to watch because I love Paul Rudd. There's um, also Tallulah, which has Ellen Page. I've not watched that one, and I've been meaning to actually. It's, it's one of her uh, one of the last movies with her in it that I've not seen. Um, so I'm all for that. I don't see the Paul Rudd. He has a mustache, I think. Man, why don't I have the option to look at the originals? Netflix, get your stuff together, man. Put it all in one section. Oh, I just Googled Netflix original movies. Ah, I'm actually on the app for Netflix. Netflix original. Oh, there's, I don't know if it's out yet, but there's a film iBoy with um, Maisie Williams. Um, I don't know. I know. Uh, Fundamental of Caring is the Paul Rudd movie. Um... You got Tallulah. I'm all for. You want it? You want to go with? How long is Tallulah? Because Fundamental of Caring is only an hour and thirty seven minutes. Tallulah is let's, almost I love, two hours. I love Paul Rudd, so let's do the Fundamentals of Caring. All right. So everybody, this is now official. Uh, for next week's episode, episode fifteen, our, our episode fifteen, um, we are going to be watching a oh Netflix original, the, fen- the Fundamentals of Caring, um, starring Paul Rudd and Craig Roberts and Selena Gomez. That's a curveball. Um, directed by Rob Burnett. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about next week, as well as the trailers. And um, I'll be talking about some of the stuff I've seen for the film festival already, as I'm going to go check out a couple of movies on Tuesday and hopefully uh, Train Spotting 2. So you might even get a little bonus episode if we have time, which it's not looking very good. But next week, the fundamentals of caring, we would love to hear from you. So please tweet at us. Um, I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And you can also email me at johnburke at burkereviews.com. And you can find us on Facebook if you'd like. Uh, if you Google uh, Burke Reviews, not Google, Facebook, uh, search, Google, whatever. You can search however you want. <laughs> Burke Reviews Facebook, and it will pop up. And you can uh, like us, follow along. We post our, our reviews there all the time. Um, today, uh, well, Friday, you'll be hearing this on Sunday. But on Friday, I posted my review of Going With Style, which is the new Michael Caine um Morgan Freeman and Alan Alda film um, with Alan, it's Alan Alda, right? Not Arkin. Um, and Arkin. Uh, directed by Zach Braff. Um, it's it's pretty good. I have to say, I enjoyed it a lot. It's I don't think it's the funniest movie I've seen, but I do think it's a really well-made comedy um, with characters that I actually cared about and was surprised given the premise of the film. Um, but I also have my review of The Dressmaker dropping this weekend, and we'll have some new stuff coming to the site. So, Stay active on BurkeReviews.com. Please share the podcast if you like what you hear. And even if you don't, please help us out. You know, we do a lot to make this happen. It is almost 1 o'clock in the morning. It is after 1 o'clock in the morning where I live, and I'm recording this podcast just for you. So thank you again for listening. Tell your friends about us. Share it. Um, if you're a new listener and this is a, you're going through our back catalog, thank you for uh, going through and listening to what we've done. It's a lot of fun making these, I have to admit, despite the uh, sometimes inconvenience of life getting in the way. So, Corey, thank you. Uh, I will be back to talk uh, our top five movies this weekend. Uh, We're doing our top five actresses. And then, um, yeah, next week will be top five Star Wars moments. So lots lots coming up on the top five movie podcast as well. Hope you listen to both. Um, Corey, I'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Peace, everybody. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com. <laughs>